Hello, I'm Alison Creel, founder of Above and Beyond Education, an online portal where every educator is celebrated for the amazing work that they do each and every day. It's a space where you can share what's going really well, celebrate, collaborate and support and so much more. Flying High is the official podcast for Above and Beyond Education, and each week we'll hear from one of our members who share the highlights of what's going well for them in their work in education. Our guest this week is Paul Ainsworth, who is the edu- uh, who is an education director, author of Silver Bullet, uh, public speaker. Um, and a man who clearly has a passion for working with schools in challenging circumstances and complex communities. Uh, We've met through Twitter, but never met in real life, but we've just been having this amazing conversation where Paul has been educating me a little bit about Lincolnshire, which is a bit of the country that I don't know very much about. And I was uh, very surprised to learn about the many overlaps between uh, his bit of Lincolnshire and uh, my bit of inner city London. Um, so, Paul, it's such a pleasure to welcome you to the Flying High podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me, Alison. It's lovely to talk to you. Brilliant. Thank you. And I would love you to tell us more about your journey to becoming a Director of Education um, and what you're doing now. Okay, thank you. So I'm, I'm really lucky. Um, I'm education director for a wonderful multi-academy trust based in Lincolnshire called Infinity Academies Trust, which um, looks after um, eight and hopefully nine primary schools from today. Um, kind of a really great community um, that's really focused on, on the children. Um, I've had, you know, like everybody, there's a story, isn't there, of kind of how you've moved through this wonderful profession and mm-hmm. ended up doing different things. Um, my, my kind of career up until 2015 was kind of very traditional um, school um, teacher, middle leader, senior leader, head of a, head of a school, um, very traditional. And I worked in actually quite, you know, quite affluent areas. You know, kind mm-hmm. of, I was in the kind of the nice leafy schools, you know, outside the ones that, you know, kind of people think, oh, that'd be really nice to go and work in there. And I, and I kind of worked in, in those in those schools and, and kind of mm-hmm. really enjoyed myself, learned lots of different things. And then in 2015, I, I kind of made a big change. And um, I went to work for one of the big multi-academy trusts. Um, I wanted to be based in the county where my house was and where my children went to school. And I saw this multi-academy trust was taking over quite a lot of schools. So I went and, and joined them. That was the start of a really fascinating adventure as a system leader. So no longer being based in one school, no longer having hierarchical responsibility for kind of one school or one department or one phase, but working across um, schools. So I went from this very rural little secondary school where I knew everybody and been there for a period of time. And my first posting or first posting, so to speak, was in a huge urban secondary school with too many languages to remember how many were spoken in it pupil premium through the roof was just about to go inadequate and was two hours away from where I lived oh, wow. so I kind of have this kind of huge change and I'm there to help a brand new head teacher brand new head teacher who just took over school and the only thing we knew was that Ofsted was coming soon and when they came it wasn't going to be pretty mm-hmm. um, sometimes there isn't anything you can do it's just where it is at the time yeah. Um, and there started my, my kind of adventure of working with you know, schools that had been, some of them, many of them had been broken for generations, 
um, kind of schools on the, you know, the east, you know, that was a school in Northampton, but other schools based on the east coast, um, you know, that had just been one inadequate after another inadequate and have been sponsored by this multi-academy trusts mm -hmm. and, you know, huge, huge poverty and huge pupil premium and, and you know, people giving up hope, you know, those schools just weren't going to work. And, and it's just such a fascinating time, you know, working with these schools that are in real difficulties. I'd always worked in secondary or done some middle school work up until that point. Um, and then about halfway through the year, I went to a pr the primary head teachers meeting and I was asked to go and I was just, I was the sole secondary person there and I'd been asked to go and provide some support for primary. And I just sat there and just thought, this is just amazing. Isn't it just? The openness and the sharing of ideas and the generosity of spirit and the love for each other was just kind of, wow, this is just different. This mm -hmm. is, you know, the com competition had gone out the window and we were, everyone was in a similar uh, situation and it was, how can we learn from each other? And I, I sat there making these notes, a little bit like the John Tom Set blog saying, you know, what have I learned about, what can I learn from primary? And, and I kind of worked with, the, you know, worked with those schools and I was, um, I chaired interim executive boards and I kind of did some executive headship and coaching for people. And just this really interesting thing of taking primary knowledge, taking secondary knowledge, working with schools that were really damaged and people that were kind of had a difficult journey. And what could we learn from each other? How could we put that together and how could we use those tools to kind of make the difference for those children? Because that's what those children needed. They needed a chance and they needed a chance now, not tomorrow, but now. And I just met loads of brilliant people, loads of amazing school leaders um, and learned so much, um, just kind of a different way of working. You know, sometimes we didn't always get it right. There's, you know, there's no doubt about that. Things were done that, in, you know, I kind of sometimes regret and think I wish that had been done in a different way um, and, and kind of learned so much. And I did that for three years, nine months and was pretty tired by the end of that, driving all around the country and, you know, yeah. getting up and, you know, being a school two and a half hours north of my home one day and then in school two and a half hours south of my home for the next day. My poor little car put so many miles on it, it was <laughs> untrue. Um, and, but just fascinating, just kind of, you know, I think in times of challenge, in times of difficulty, the relationships that you build with people can last for a long time, um, some, sometimes not in proportion to the time you spend with them. Um, mm -hmm. So kind of after those, after those, you know, almost four years, I, I joined another, I joined a multi-academy trust that was starting up um, and kind of tried to take my ideas, you know, and kind of think actually this way of school improvement, can it work somewhere else? Mm -hmm. um, David Carter writes about, you know, something only works if you try it in a new, in a new location. I can't think of the exact quote, but it's something yeah, I know. that was so true. So I took my ideas and, and worked for another really interesting group of head teachers and formed some good relationships with them. Um, and kind of, and it worked. You know, the kind of ideas worked and schools improved and primary school progress data really went through the roof in 2018 of those schools. And, you know, just some, some simple systems and simple processes and also being there, you know, being that person that had teachers could bounce ideas off and somebody who was prepared to say, yeah, but could we do this? Have yeah. you thought of doing that? And, you know, why don't you? What can I? Yes, why not? Why not have a go? You know, let's try and do something. Let's see if we can make a difference. Um, and I did that for, just did it for a year, actually. Um, and then an opportunity arose to work with Infinity. Mm -hmm. um, kind of uh, Gavin Booth, CEO, this person I got a lot of respect for, knew from the past, knew he was trying to develop something. 
um, and we kind of formed a little bit of a double act back in 2019 um, and just you know kind of started off one day a week and then became two days a week and then became three days a week and <laughs> in September finally became five days a week um, we're just trying to build something you know we got you know some great seven great head teachers across nine schools um, real variety of schools the school I'm sat in at the moment St Nicholas in Boston um, was a formerly inadequate school um, serves you know a kind of quite deprived community but the head teacher is trying to do amazing things and you kind of walk through the door and you can't help but feel warm she talks a lot about shine your light um, yes. or let your light shine is the actual phrase let your light shine and the children certainly do in this school and that's great and you know very, and also work with some schools that are in nicer parts of town or nicer parts of the county as well mm-hmm. but you know we're all trying to do we're all trying to focused on one thing and that's you know putting the children first you know what can we do across the, the kind of eight nine schools to make a difference for the children we work with so I've been working with Infinity, you know, as I said, since September 29. I love every day. It's mm-hmm. great being sat here today and I can look out of the window and I can see, I think it's the year four children out in the playground. <laughs> it's a lovely sunny day, but they're kind of doing some PE. Um, yeah. Kind of really nice. So, yeah, so that's kind of a little bit about my career. And as you said, I've um, the writing is a bit of an interesting side hustle. So mm-hmm. I'm a mathematician by background. Um, I dropped every subject I could at 16. It involved me writing more than about four words. Um, and, you know, because I thought I couldn't write. You, know, you, you thought you get, couldn't write? Why did you, you know, think you couldn't write? You know, you write? get that feedback, don't you, in kind of a year 10, or, you know, was when I was there, a fourth year English lesson, um, you know, that you're just not very good at writing. So you kind of have this premise, don't you, that you believe that you can't write and write in something that other people did. So, so that's I'm, quite significant. So when you... By the time you were 16, you didn't see yourself as a writer. No. Because some because of feedback that was given yeah. to you. Um, so because some people will say that boys don't write because it's a gender thing, but you saying something very specific where you were led to believe that you weren't a writer. Yeah, I can remember kind of, you know, getting feedback and, and just the marks never going up, you know, and it's but how do I improve? And, and you get a very surface level feedback. I'll read your work through again. Um, oh, right. And yeah. kind of actually, how does that help? My, my, my brain probably worked quicker than my hand. So I would always miss words out. And when I was writing words, I would, the end of the world word would scroll together because I was so trying to get that word, those words out of my head so quickly. So my handwriting mm-hmm. was very untidy. The grammar was poor. The spelling looked poor. Even if you gave me a spelling test, I was pretty good at spelling, but just the way that I wrote. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how do I get better? How do I, you know, how do I get beyond this, this GCE grade? And so when, it, when you, the, the feedback was read more, well, I read voraciously. So it wasn't a problem with reading. I read loads of books and still do. Um, but I just couldn't get over those those grammatical, those syntax errors. So for me, it was, well, why keep banging your head against a brick wall? You know, if, if you can't do it and everyone's telling you you can't do it, don't do it. So, you know, I kind of went in the science science direction and engineering at university and, and never really wrote anything. Wow. So how does that experience feed into, or how did it feed into you as a teacher and the way in which you work with young people? How does it feed into... The, um, the things that you're asking of your head teachers now? So I suppose, yeah, there's probably a number of different answers in there. So going back to when I was a maths teacher, you know, kind of circa 
the uh, the late 90s in a kind of mm -hmm. secondary modern in South Lincolnshire with I think the GCSE pass rate was 12 percent 12 percent 12 percent I think it was wow. secondary moderns the grammar schools in the local town and mm -hmm. um, so my big thing when I was there was always was always about um building people's self-esteem success making um, you know making maths fun so you mm -hmm. know kind of the dominoes were out the playing cards were out the monopoly sets were out um, any game that I could think of involving dice, you know, just to try and get children doing some, you know, trying to get them connecting with number, mm -hmm. um, kind of they're all quotes all over my over, all over my walls, you know, kind of, you know, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, it's a fire to be kindled and, you know, that yes. kind of things. Um, a mathematician is like a poet or a painter, a maker of patterns. You know, those yes. are the two quotes that I had up above my blackboard in those times. <laughs> um, yeah, so I suppose that's where it fed in there. And mm -hmm. I suppose in my work with head teachers now, it is, it, it is you, you have to try things. You know, you kind of, I know it's hard to come out of your comfort zone, but actually, you know, we all have real strengths and you have to play to your strengths. It's really important to play to your strengths, but also acknowledge your weaknesses and, and and by acknowledging your weaknesses, find people in your team who can help you with those. So there's something you're not great at. Actually, there's probably somebody in your team who's really good at that. So how can we yeah. get them to kind of take over some of those bits and pieces? And what's your guidance to your head teachers who will all have a number of Pauls in their school in terms of the way in which they present their writing? Yeah, it's kind of true, isn't it? And we're so bothered, aren't we, about handwriting? We're so bothered about those kind of things. But again, I think it's, you know, it's giving people confidence, isn't it? You know, it's kind mm -hmm. of trying to find, you know, trying to understand, um, I suppose this goes back to class teaching, doesn't it? Trying to understand why somebody's having difficulties. So what is it? You know, and kind of, and, and try and look for the anomalies as well, isn't it? So but were you having difficulties in writing? Because you're now a published author, and I'd love you to tell us a bit more about your book, but you are a published author. You write for the TES and various other magazines. You put blogs on your website. You are clearly a writer. Um, but um, were you really a child with writing difficulties or were you just a misunderstood writer? Probably a misunderstood writer in the context that we wrote in in those times, probably if I'd have had access to, you know, kind of word processing or word or those kind of things, a lot of those difficulties I had would have disappeared, mm -hmm. you know, because I can spell properly when I'm typing, I don't miss words out. So probably all those, you know, modern technology would have helped me massively. Yeah. And actually, the, and the kind of writing thing happened by accident. I read, mm -hmm. I read a book once and, and it was about career progression. It was about trying to get your next job. And I was really focused on, I wanted to become a senior leader, but I was quite young and went, you know, and I kind of wasn't really getting anywhere with interviews. And I read this book and it said, um, a really good way of getting noticed is to get an article published. Okay. So I kind of found a low circulation education magazine and pitched an article and then wrote it. And I just, this was kind of, you know, one of my ambitions, you know, by the time I'm 40, I will have written an article. And at kind of 31, they published it for me. I was like, oh, I've had an article published. <laughs> and then and, and the kind of lady who was the editor, a lovely lady called Jane West, who writes um, children's books. And she said, will you write, will you write something else for me? So, oh. I, so, I wrote, so I wrote something else. And, and again, thinking, well, that, you know, it's, this is just luck, you know, it's not going to happen again. And she published it again. Wow. And then came back to me and said, will you write something else for me? And then started <laughs> writing every month for her. 
you know, oh. and a really, really encouraging person, you know, and kind of, and then I thought, oh, I can write. So well, if, if I can write an article, um, I'm kind of somebody who kind of is prepared to have a go at doing things. So mm-hmm. I thought, if I can write an article that's a thousand words, well, a book, that's 50,000 words. So that's 50 articles. So all I need to do is stitch together 50 articles with a kind of common theme and a common format. And I've got a book. And that's what I did. And I tried, you know, kind of back in 2011, that was what I did. And I wrote my first book like that. And I just saw it as 50, 1,000 word articles. That's fantastic. And I wonder what those teachers who saw you as um, a, a, a boy who struggled with writing would think about you being Paul Ainsworth, author. I'll be a little bit surprised. <laughs> yeah and isn't that the best thing isn't that and, the best and, thing and that's okay. not not a criticism of them at all you know they're, no. you know i can remember my year 10 year 11 english person a teacher really interesting character and had loads of fascinating conversations in back cricket or rugby or you know politics but we just didn't click on a and he was a nice guy but also, I, I suppose it, it comes back to the question I asked you um, earlier about the, um, the the guidance that you would give to the head teachers in the schools that you are supporting at the moment, and what advice is for the the young pools who may not be able to do maths or who may not who are just misunderstood learners basically, but because we are making judgments based on definitions of success now um, we might not be seeing those children's potential yeah definitely you know kind of so important isn't it and that's why you know the the work that we do is so magical isn't it because in that you know who knows what talent is in that first child in front of us who knows what talent there is in the 210 pupils in our school who knows what talent there is in the two and a half thousand children in my trust and and you know that's what an amazing thought, isn't it? You know, who knows what you know those children could go on to do. And the more people you work with, the more children you work with, then the kind of you know there's even more incredible people there, aren't there? Absolutely. And I, you know, here we are recording the audio. But if people could see just the smile and the enthusiasm and the excitement about that is what schools are about. That is the potential of every school. We just don't know where those young people are going to be. But there is incredible potential in every child and in every school. And, and then in the kind of work I do as well, the potential in the staff. Yes. You know, that's so exciting for me. You know, the kind of, so, um, you know, yesterday, um, this school was, and, and you know, interviewing an ECT. You know, where, where could that ECT go in 20 years' time? That's wow. exciting, isn't it? You know, that, that could be the head teacher of tomorrow. That, yes. that you know, and, and kind of when I look around, I've done quite a lot of, you know, kind of career development work and work with aspirant head teachers and, and that kind of thing. To me, that's that's incredibly exciting, you know, and, and certainly when I was with the big system leader, Matt, part of my job was to run the new heads programme and the aspirant heads programme. And that was, I used to love that. That was just yeah. so exciting to work with that group of people. And, and that's actually part, part of the reason that my latest book evolved, um, because I was known as a bit of an ideas person, you know, would kind of suggest things, not tell people, but kind of, have you thought about doing this? What about this? And, you know, mm-hmm. we probably have 100 ideas. Um, and one of, one of the head teachers who, who was on my aspirant heads programme, and I encouraged her to put her application in for a headship, um, kind of made sure she got an interview, and then she came out on top because she was an amazingly talented person. 
um, when I when I went and visited her and said I'm really sorry, but you know I've kind of handed my resignation. I'm going to go work somewhere else. And her comment was, "Where am I going to get all my ideas from? Oh, <laughs> Where am I going to get?" And then she turned round, turned round and smiled. You know, really, really, you know, great smile, and said, "Can you write them all down before you go? Can you put them in a big list?" And hence that was where No Silver Bullets Day In Day Out School Improvement was born. That I sat there, started writing down all the kind of little ideas. So not the you know, not the big things, you know, mm-hmm. not, you know, the idea of no silver bullets, there aren't any silver bullets, but instead it's all about the tiny little things that we do on a day by day basis, the kind of things that the really experienced head teachers have almost forgotten how many of them they know, but we're earlier on in the career, they aren't gold dust, aren't they, those little ideas. Yes. So I just started yeah. writing them up, writing them all down. And, you know, after 12 months, I think I had 90 ideas and kind of put it together in a book. So not rocket science, but just all the little things that could make a difference in your school or your department or your phase. Um, I think that's just wonderful. One, it's a wonderful story, but I'm hoping that because you've told that story, it's almost a guide into how to become an author. It doesn't have to be, you know, sitting at a laptop struggling for ideas or whatever. You literally collated your best ideas and you shared them. And that's just so, so enabling and uh, wonderful. So thank you for sharing this. And um, when we were having our pre-chat, you were telling me that there is a line from, um, there's a subtitle to Silver Bullets which is particularly significant today? Yeah, so the subtitle is Day In, Day Out School Improvement. Um, today is the 18th of May, which uh-huh. you know, won't have any significance for lots of people. But for a small group of people like me, there's a, a legendary post-punk band called Joy Division that mm-hmm. kind of maybe the start of the Manchester music movement. They were the start of the Hacienda Club. You know, they were Tony Wilson's band. Um, and then they became New Order. More people know them as, as New Order and maybe World in Motion or uh, Blue mm-hmm. Monday, all those kind of things. But they were originally a post-punk band, the four-piece. And their lead singer was a, a guy called Ian Curtis, an incredibly talented young man, but also significant dif- difficulties, struggled with epilepsy, struggled with uh, mental health problems. And on the 18th of May 1980, tragically, he took his own life. Um, so kind of... For a lot of people, you know, today we see this as Ian Curtis Day. Um, so yeah, so kind of day in, day out is a really haunting refrain that he sings um, on it. I think it's a B-side on an EP somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. The song's called Digital. Um, and he just keeps, and there's this really haunting day in, day out, day in, day out. So in that way, it's quite a sad line because it is day in, day out, things are difficult. Um, but for me, I take that as, they, you know, you can do things, but you have to do them day in, day out. That's what makes a difference. You know, it's mm-hmm. not about the big ticket items. It's not about turning up one day and being amazing. But instead, it's, you know, what can you do every day? What are the little things that you can day, do for your school, your staff yeah. in your school, the children in your care that will make a difference? So, yeah, 18th of May, Ian Curtis Day. And that's kind of, you know, kind of a little bit significant for me. Thank you so much for sharing. So this podcast is very much about celebrating all of the wonderful work that you do. And I really love the calmness and energy that you've brought to our conversation. And I imagine as a head teacher, I would have loved having someone like you there supporting me and enabling me to be amazing. Um, And what I'd like us to know is, you know, you've touched on a number of things. What is the one thing that's going especially well at the moment? that you would like us all to know about? 
it's a really difficult question, isn't it? And yeah. I, think, I think at the moment, education is so challenging, isn't it? You know, kind of we've just come back, you know, we know what we've all come off the back of. Mm -hmm. And if you're a primary school teacher, you're kind of just gone key stage two sats last week. If you're yeah. a secondary school secondary school teacher, GCSEs maybe started on Monday and A-levels will start last Monday. So it is a really challenging time. So what's going really well, what's going really well in my little corner of the world is the team environment or the team ethic that we've got amongst our little trust. You know, so the kind of I've spent the morning with my CEO and my finance director and my operations director, and we've been sat there just trying to work out how we can solve problems and using our collective brains to see what we can do to help our schools. And then tomorrow um, we've got our head teachers meeting and our um, deputies meetings. We kind of do one in the morning, one in the afternoon. And I know that those head teachers will work really well together. Um, and, you know, they, they kind of get it that it's about it's not just one school. It's about all our schools and how we can help each other. And I know that when I go into the deputies meeting in the afternoon, you know, it's kind of a range of heads of schools and assistant heads. They're all they're all there for each other. And that to me is what's going really well. It's about those kind of relationships. It's trying to build something, you know, build build a group of people that are trying to do something in the way that we feel it should be done. You know, you put the children first, you put the people first, and then hopefully the magic happens. That's just wonderful. Thank you so much. I want to say a huge thanks to you, Paul, for being a flying high guest and for reminding us about the power of um, good connection and collaboration and um, working purposefully towards um, ensuring that the needs of the whole community are on that. I mean, you really described building up a community, uh, which is exactly what strong leadership is all about. Um, I'd also like to say thanks to all of our listeners who have joined us today and please do go to our Wednesday Winners Forum on the Above and Beyond Education app to share your good news stories. This is us reclaiming our right to celebrate all the things that are going well in our schools and education communities. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you. If you work in education and you'd like to take part in an episode of the Flying High podcast, simply contact me. I'd love to hear from you and we welcome diversity in voices. Thanks to all our Flying High guests and to the education community for working together to make every school a great school. Take good care of you.